Hello and welcome to Say That, the podcast where your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King and I'm your host in the city of Chicago. And joining me spontaneously for the first time tonight is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. It's like deja vu, man. Yeah. It's like we've been here before, man. Absolutely. And also joining us, a man whose command of the Pro Tools recording software is unmastered, <laughs> Jed Brewer. I got the skills sometimes. <laughs> Oh, I got to plug this into something. That helps. You've totally unmastered it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Jed is so good at it. He's gone all the way around. Exactly That's right. right. He's like a beginner. Joining us all the way from Mercury see one of the pastors of Crash Community Church, Lee Younger. It's like Avid is our puppet master. That's a very dark thought because of how true it is. I just like the idea of really goth, emo, 13-year-old poetry, but about software systems. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Excel we, understands my pain. We just need to compile all of the crashed, <laughs> no, failed don't. attempts at re- this starting the recording and all the discussion that happens afterwards and just compile that into one you know, like four-hour psychedelic head trip. <laughs> sure. Well, we, we don't plan on doing this uh, now or any time in the foreseeable future, but um, if we ever give up this podcast, that will be the... Uh, the giant bomb on which we go out. <laughs> That's right. That's right. If you listen to if you listen to that episode while watching Wizard of Oz, it totally syncs up. Yeah, yeah. That's right. That's all right. You will know if any of us hit big money and don't need actual jobs anymore, because right. then and only then will it make sense to release the uh, the frustrated recording attempts to the public. And just before they frog march us off to some sort of a detention camp. Yep. That's what we'll do to our farewell. That's our, that's our signal. Yeah, that we need to be someone come liberate us. Yes, yes. Is the four-hour episode of outtakes and and awfulness? And, yeah, I think one could categorize most of this show as a cry for help in some way. Oh yeah, that's, that's but that'll be an official one. That's right. Well, I think that's all. Very good. Yep. Um. Yeah, I think uh, I think I, I think I declared an emergency. Is what I think. What. That's right. It's an emergency. It if you say so. It's a brand infringement emergency. Oh, that's my oh, favorite oh kind. My there yeah. could be nothing worse. I love the smell of litigation in the morning. Go on. Absolutely right. We, uh, we, we have called out uh, no less organizations than the Roman Catholic Church right. on this, as you may recall, <laughs> from, previous, um, from previous episodes. And I think we, uh, we have no less an august institution than the Actors, Models, and Talent for Christ Agency. Yeah. Which you also may remember from a previous emergency, which uh, we get a, a Facebook message from a friend of the show and personal friend to all of, uh, Mr. Alan Hamilton. Yeah. Uh, par- pardon me. He didn't go to medical school to be called Mr. Right. by the likes of me, Dr. Alan Hamilton. Dr. Hamilton, honey. No doubt. He's a doctor. Who... Even though he is a medical doctor, is a smart man, is a man with many important things to do, I'm sure. Found time to go bruising around, to go cruising around <laughs> the Actors, Models, and Talents for Christ website. And, and found, deep in the bowels of said website, their program that's a prep uh, talent program that helps you, and I quote, prepares you to rise and shine. It's like New York polish meets the hand of God. Wow. <laughs> Golly, which That's... I assume they mean the Argentinian soccer player whose name I can't pull right now. Maradona. Maradona, yes. Amano de Dios. Uh, but this uh, program is entitled The Bridge. Okay. Okay. 
Now, there are two concerns, wow. and you gentlemen, feel free to take it in whichever direction you want. One is, cl- clearly, we're being ripped off again. Yes. The Pope's taking Mission USA. Right. Uh, the Actors, Models, and Talents for Christ are taking the bridge. Right. We're getting picked clean. Yeah. Yeah. That's yep. the one. Now, the other slightly more psychedelic option, if you choose to uh, take the, this particular pill, is... Is it possible we're now joking things into being? <laughs> wow. Because the last two emergencies we did yeah. were about actors, models, and talents for Christ Agency right. and people ripping off our branding. That's true. Is it possible we are manifesting our own emergencies? Wow. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, I can dig Dude. that. I can dig that. That does seem like something that would happen to us. And this has happened before. Yeah. We made a joke about, you know, a certain megachurch pastor and he ends up in the news. We made That's you true. Know, jokes about the weather and the weather is, uh, that's a real deal. So, uh, so we make things happen. Yes, by mocking. Them. Yes, exactly right. But, but wow. also, but it's also only bad things. Yeah. Well, and it's also a weird monkey's paw situation where right. it's disparate elements of certain things we mock that combine right. into a, yes, yeah. a kind of megazord of weirdness. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not sure if we can manipulate this intentionally. I think that might break the spell. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Should we be playing with powers that we only barely understand? Obviously, of course we should. How's yeah. that a question? That's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. Is here? Here's here's how we know we've gone too far yeah. and we have uh, fully uh, gotten in, in pro- the problem with this is... Um, if Kurt Cameron makes a movie starring Kevin Sorbo as a time traveling robot cyborg sent by megachurch pastors, Whoa, yeah, 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 I think that's very likely to happen. Almost certainly. Well, here's the thing: we have accidentally, obviously, created a lot of bad things, but yes. it can also be said about this podcast that we've created some good things, which is babies. Yes, and so that's true. could it be possible that we could use our 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 very small knowledge of our creative potential, our creative powers, to create some kind of a baby who right. would then go on to create terrible emergencies. Like, we yeah. create a baby that's a harbinger of doom for the rest of all goodness. I think that's almost inevitable. To say that doom child. Yeah. This is Absolutely. like a Neil Gaiman book once he runs out of ideas. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because here's the thing is, what happens is, People listen to this podcast, they're lonely. Yeah. We give them hope and advice, and they go out into the world, and then they talk to the opposite sex and say, What's up, girl? What's up, girl? Yeah. How you feeling? Yeah. What's going on in your world? How you doing? How and this is really doing? awkward when it's uh, a girl going up to a guy, but this is the only <laughs> script we have. And it's like... Uh, Just picturing the very petite kind of cheerleader going up to six foot foot. What's up, girl? <laughs> <laughs> Because here's what it is. You got to talk to the people. You have to let them know. Absolutely. You can't just be sitting there, like, just waiting for things to happen. Honey, sometimes you got to let them know. <laughs> that, <laughs> I've been told that. <laughs> now, here's the thing. Did you care to sh- ter- share by whom and in what context you've been told that? Sure. I would love to tell that <laughs> well, story. Well, I, ca- I have my bluff called. <laughs> yes, Go ahead. Yes, yeah. You want me to go ahead and this tell will learn, story. This will learn me. Okay. Speaking of weird things that only happen to us. Um, okay, I'm going to try and tell this story. Tell you what, I, I, since I'm the one who'd have to edit out your telling of it, yeah. I, I will tell the basics and let you tell the punchline. Okay. Glenn is at a, an H&M store yes. in, I believe, the west coast of these United States. Yes. Um, and he is he is perusing, as he is wont to do when he's yes. on vacation. Yes. And uh, they're involved in the, the men's section of this H&M store. Yes. Is a rack of peach-colored short shorts. That's right. Which leads to Glenn turning to the 
very, I'm going to go with the uh, word enthusiastic here, a uh-huh. sales gentleman who's helping him and making a face as if to say, really? <laughs> Who is buying Pete short shorts? Why would you buy Pete short shorts? Yeah. What are we doing? To which he responds. Honey, sometimes you have to let them know. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's become a bit of a mantra around these parts. And, and here's the thing. This is the important part. My response was, point well taken. Yes, that yes. is deep wisdom. And thank you. Yes. And I see your point. Yep. <laughs> and I'm moving on. That applies not only to shorts, but to many walks of life. We, we, we had a complete meeting of the minds, yep. and we, we, we walked away in, in total agreement. Now, here's the thing. Uh, we put a lot of uh, romance out there in the world. People meet up. Yeah. Okay. Here's what happens. They get married and babies. Yes. Okay. So we are making babies happen. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, but this podcast goes out there, boom, babies. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> okay, but as Lee is pointing out, who do? We, what exactly are these babies getting up to? Yep. Wow. What is going to happen with these babies? What about the babies? Because this is, uh, we could uh, do a whole thing where it's like uh, they take over the world. Sure, absolutely. Wow. Well, I mean, ultimately, in the fullness of time. They they will. It would be pretty logical. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's like you you turn around one day at the end of the movie, and then you see the uh, like you're you're about to be you know overwhelmed by the army of doom babies, and then you turn around and you see the 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 head of the Statue of Liberty, and you realize it was Earth the whole time. That's yeah. right. Yeah, that's right. So you finally made a monkey out of me. <laughs> I had to do it. I I feel like. Uh, you know, are we already toying with powers we only barely understand? Almost, Almost certainly. certainly. Well, I think, give it us, I think everything we do is toying with things we barely understand. Yeah, that's uh, that's true. And I've also, I think we need to go back to an earlier idea. Yes. That seems dangerous, but okay. Earlier, before, yes. I suggested we combine all four of our DNAs. Yes. And make a genetically modified super baby. Yes. That would be four times the normal size because it has four DNAs. Right. But also four times the wisdom. Exactly right. Do we not now, more than ever, need the genetically modified four times the normal size super baby to rule the babies that are being created by this podcast? So you're saying we have to create the super baby to fight off the army of doom babies we unleash upon the world. Or... To lead them forth. Yes. Okay. Wow. And rule, not to vanquish them, but to well, to, to you know the to so that they will rule to, to give a, them a, a banner under which they can assemble. And that's right. Sure. That's and, right. And, take over. and to, to have sort of a semi-benevolent uh, ruling of the earth. I think what you're pitching, and I love it, mm-hmm. is you know how they had the Muppets and they had Muppet babies, yeah. Game of Thrones babies. Yes. 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 Yeah, I think we need to get to work on the super baby technology right away. Yes. Sure, no doubt about it. And I think I'm not, you know, just and if you guys don't like this, you 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 should write back. I think what we do is we get our DNAs together, and you put them in what you call a test tube. Yes. I'm so glad you mentioned laboratory equipment. What you need is in. Uh, I'm going to give you some scientific. Please do. You have to have what's called a growth medium. Okay. Wow. Okay, so you get your, your four DNAs. Yep. 
and you put it in the growth and the, the get it feeds yes the, the 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 baby feeds on that okay <laughs> okay so we need to come up with the perfect <laughs> well i think we're just about out of time for this emergency unfortunately did it go ahead and, and what would be better emergency off ranch dressing <laughs> okay. you know it's got to be ranch that dressing was... You put our DNAs in there with your ranch dressing. So it went so much better than I thought it was going Into to. Into the centrifuge. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. You stir it up. Yep. Boom. You're going to have a baby exploding right out of that test tube. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> hopefully uh, the pre- the joke premise of us speaking things into being is uh, not true. super not true because that's awful. Yeah. <laughs> As I've had to say on this show before, and I fear I shall have to say it again in the future, that was awful even for us. Yes. <laughs> but not unexpected. And uh, I declare emergency off. Ashamedness on. <laughs> yeah. It really is the unspoken factor in all the emergency off. Super baby. Sure. Now, the explosion of creativity you heard from Glenn right there is the, the kind of thing that we try to channel positively. And other aspects of life, mm. including Glenn is, of course, on the team that helps put together Bridgebox. And we take all that. Um, I believe if you were a, a child who liked to set fire, someone would put it as creative energy. And we, we try to channel that into something productive and positive for right. the people. And that's sermons and that's songs and that's Bible studies. And that's lots of, we've had some videos and lots of other good stuff for all for only $8 a month that goes to support the ministry we do, which we have to do this ministry, A, because the people need it. There's people at the jailhouse, people, drug recovery programs. And B, because if we don't do the ministry, Glenn has all day to sit around thinking of these things. That's right. As it is now, he's got a service to run. He's got pastors to meet with. He's got to go down to the jailhouse and talk to the guys. And he's got to go... And if he doesn't do those things, we're going to get super baby drawings. Yeah. Well, and he's going to put them on the internet, and we're all going to have to look at them. Well, I think the, the thing is, what you want is for us to be working on Bridgebox, because otherwise, what happens is we receive problems like potential copyright infringement, and the only <laughs> thing we can think of to solve it is a genetically modified yeah. super baby. Absolutely. And by potential copyright infringement, you mean, hey, this thing has the same name as your thing, yeah. which stands for going from one place to another place. Right. And then we spend that within 12 minutes, let's not skip over that part, to genetically modified super baby ranch dressing. There you go. You really want us pointing these minds at problems that are uh, take a little more seriousness. Yes, absolutely. That's right. Getting people housing <laughs> and jobs and out of jail and that kind of stuff. We have to put on our we have to put on our big boy pants and serious faces right. to do that. And that's what keeps these kind of thoughts at bay. But you're the beneficiary of that because not only do you get to sports ministry, you get a lot of cool stuff for yourself. You can head on over to missionusa.com slash bridgebox and check that out. You get some samples to take with you if you don't sign up. I'm just telling you, ranch dressing has all the nutrition a growing baby needs. Some of the nutrition, certainly. This statement, not verified by anyone. <laughs> everybody, everybody, scientific, medical, childbearing, and any other community totally rejects the previous statement. That's right. <laughs> All right, we're going to move on, hopefully. <laughs> I'm going to try to move on. Hope, hopefully, Glenn comes with me. We're going to move on to our first question here. Came into our uh, Tumblr inbox. It says... I have some big life decisions I have to make in the next few months, and I'm having a hard time figuring out which way God wants me to go. I feel like I'm in the desert where I can't see the end of it anyway, anywhere around me, and no direction feels any more right than the other. How do I ask God for direction? 
How do I assert, how do I discern what he's saying and feel confident in the next steps, especially when literally every step I take right now is uncomfortable in some way? And Jed, can you start us off on this one? Yeah. Well, thank you for writing in. And uh, we're praying for you. We're sorry that you're feeling in an uncertain place right now. So you're talking about asking God for direction, and that's really good. And and you should, and, and more Christians should ask God for direction. But we'd actually like to encourage you to ask God for another thing in addition to direction, and that is wisdom. So right. direction means asking God, where should I go? And wisdom means asking God, why should I go there? Right. What's what's the bigger picture vision? What's what's the plan? And when we have a sense of the why, we can have way more comfort and certainty about the where and the yes. what. Uh, it, it can make a lot more sense. Now, for some people, they've been taught to not question God because he is God. Right. And it, they, they pronounce it really short and forceful like that. Is he holy? He is holy. Do not question him. Uh, but it, it turns out you watch mostly Chinese redubs because <laughs> these people in your church sound a lot like Bruce Lee villains. <laughs> yeah. We worship him. He is strong like both. <laughs> <laughs> that said, <laughs> oh goodness. It's going to be one of those episodes, folks. <laughs> so many things I'm not saying. So, particularly if you've grown up in a more legalistic church, you've probably heard people say you shouldn't question God, you know, it's wrong, you just right. do as you're told. And that sounds good, but that's actually not practical. And right. God's not looking for it. Nor uh, is it biblical. It, nor is it biblical. The Bible says that God gives wisdom to anyone who asks. He right. gives it freely without right. finding fault. Uh, and that includes you, that if you're looking for, God wants to give you direction, where to go. Yes, he does. But if you're looking for wisdom, that why piece, that understanding, he wants to give that to you too. The thing that I find often in my life when I'm having a hard time discerning the Lord's leading, where he wants me to go, often for me, it's because I haven't spent enough time thinking and meditating on the wisdom piece, on the, the why, the why, why we're going there. So if we want to ask that why question, then the good news is that there are three really critical ways that we can approach that. The first, of course, is the witness of Scripture, um, getting just a sense of God's overall heart for things. The second is talking to wise Christian people that we know, what people refer to as wise counsel. Hopefully folks that maybe have been walking with the Lord a little bit longer than, than we have. And talking through them, here's the decisions I'm trying to make. Can you give me a big picture vision of why one thing would make more sense than the other? And then the third piece, of course, is listening for the still small voice of the Holy Spirit in prayer. One thing I'd encourage you on that is to give yourself permission to listen to that voice in prayer, maybe journal down what, what comes to mind as you're, as you're uh, in your prayer time, but to ask that same question many, many times and to, and to go back. You won't, you won't wear the Lord out. You, you won't bother him. He won't get tired of you asking. Keep going to him. Because the funny thing in my experience about asking for that wisdom piece, asking for that why piece, is the more you ask, the deeper the wisdom gets. Mm -hmm. The more that the, the sense of explanation grows. And, the, and, and mm -hmm. the more that that happens, I think the more comfort you can have, the more certainty yes. you can have, the more confidence that you can have. And then that makes it a lot easier to move forward. And that, of course, is the thing that we want you to do. That's a really fantastic place to start off. And Lee, I'd love to go to you on this. Jed mentioned the idea of God uh, gives freely to anybody who has him for wisdom. And that comes from James chapter one. There's actually, I think, a lot of stuff 
in that passage about what it means to to talk to the Lord and get wisdom about that that can help us understand the thought process and these kind of things. Can you unpack that a little more for us? Yeah, I, I think the—and before we kind of get into the specifics of what James 1 says— I can speak from my own experience and say, I know that for me, whenever I have a situation like this, the thing that makes it complicated um, is that there's something that I'm, that I'm probably not willing to do towards what Jed was saying, which is I'm not really willing to just go to the Lord in, in all of that asking and all of that searching scripture, talking to wise people, and then listening for the still small voice of the spirit. I'm not always willing to go in just dead honest and say, by the way, I refuse to do this. Yeah. Um, and, and that, and I think one of the reasons that I, I don't feel I, it's like, it's almost like we are like two armies facing each other and I've got my terms for peace and I, I, I will not do this. I, what, whatever you have for me, I won't do this thing. And what happens is, is, is by the way, <laughs> I know how that feels because probably in like every decision that I'm praying about, I have that one thing that I'm like saying to the Lord, I'm holding on to, I'm not going to let that go. Now he, he may not have me let that go or he may ask me to, I don't know. But when I, when I can't go to the Lord, honestly about what I'm feeling, it complicates the whole issue because it, it allows me to not really be free enough to hear what the Lord is actually saying to me on it. If I've, because what's basically happened is I've kind of already decided this is my path. Before I'm asking what it is, I'm already kind of deciding. I don't know if you know how that feels. I know that's yeah. been my experience a lot. But the thing that happens in James chapter 1 is exactly like Jed said. He says, if anybody lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives freely to all men without finding fault. He says, but, and then he puts this little caveat on there. He says, he's not going to judge you. If you, if, you, if you don't know what to do, and if you don't know why stuff is going on, and you know what the next steps ought to be and and why you should be heading in the direction you should be heading then come ask God about it he will not upbraid you that means he's not going to he's not going you're not going to get a smack on the wrist he's not going to he's not going to be like you really you're going to ask me this again you you have problems again he's never going to do that you can ask as Jed said as many times as you want to he says but let him do it without um without doubting which is a really weird it's a really weird translation for us who English speakers, because actually in the Greek language, what James says is, let him do it without judging. It's a word that every single other place that's used in the New Testament has to do with judging. And the idea there is, if you want to ask God what comes next, he'll tell you. But if you've already got your, if you've already set your terms for peace, um, these are the things I will do, these are the things I won't do, then you're not really going to hear him because you've already made your mind up. You, you, you've already decided what you want it to be. I'm not saying that's where you are. I know that's where I've been a ton of times. And the problem with going into the prayer in that way is that it's not very honest. It's not honest because it's basically saying, I'm going to hold this one piece back. I'm not going to talk to the Lord about this. I'll talk about the rest of the, rest of the things, but I'm not going to mention this one thing because this is, this is, the, little, this is the precious little piece I don't want to let go of. Whereas if you lay it all out there to the Lord, this is exactly how I feel about all of this. I'm not going to hold anything back from you. Um, I think that you're going to find that it's much less complicated to hear what he has to say. If I've, if I've got terms that I will not surrender, I'm probably not going to be able to hear what it is the Lord has for me because in certain ways, I've already made up my mind. 
So I don't actually want wisdom. I just want somebody to sign off on my idea. I don't know if that makes sense, but I know that for me, that, that whole idea of not willing to be honest has held me back a whole lot in the past from hearing exactly where the Lord wants us to be. But exactly as Jed said, you can go to the Lord and ask him as many times as you want to. You can keep going. You can keep asking again and again and again. And the more you're able to turn loose of the rest of it and be honest about everything that you feel about it, the more you're going to hear. Amen. Yeah, that's all really, really uh, wise stuff on this. And Glenn, as Lee says, you can go and Jed says, well, you can go and talk, ask as many times, go back as many times. I think another way we uh, play into that kind of being worried about bugging God is not wanting to ask about the little things, kind of wanting to big picture yes. it and, and then work down. Yeah. And as uh, Jed mentioned when you start us off on this, that that's really not a smart way to go. You don't want to just ask for the where. You also want to ask for the why. And I think you may want to ask for a lot of whys on right. different things. And is that a way we get to listen better? Absolutely right. I think if I know the sense, if I have a vague general sense of where God wants me to go, it's almost better because I have, I, I have a, a, a good as Jed said, a sense of comfort that I can head in this general direction, and I know that I'm basically there. And then as I go, I get more and more specific, and and that. So I'm 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 get, I'm closer and closer to that path that God wants me to walk. That's great. But for some reason, people conceive of I will go from having no idea what God wants me to do about anything to I must know the one right and true path for my entire life now. You know, yep. <laughs> that doesn't, this is not how this works. It, it is things that we peel away by layers. It is things that we, we, uh, we, we start with a, a vague sense, and then little by little we get a more uh, sharpened focus on what God wants us to do. And, of course, God changes those things as time goes on. You know, I want you to do this for a while, then I want you to do something else, and so on and so forth. So uh, this idea of one big revelation is the thing we want to get away from. We want to try and get to a place where we're listening to the Lord uh, uh, continuously. And there's a couple of problems with that. Here's problem number one. You haven't heard this preached about uh, because there's sort of a fear in a lot of churches that if we talk about listening to the Lord, it will sound oddly uh, like... Uh, I, I think the fear is people will come to church on Sunday and say, God told me... You're supposed to give me a hundred dollars, so you got to give me a hundred dollars. Sure. You know that kind of a thing that would just or get. It sound into like it. we're telling you to toss out chicken bones and divine them. Yeah, that's yeah. It will turn into sort of a free for all because God told me this, and there's no way for whatever. I I, I tend to think the reverse is actually true. Uh, it, 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 one person uh, once approached me in church and and said that he had a special revelation for me, and I said, "Oh, good. Just so you know, I'm going to check with the Lord after you're done to determine whether what you're telling me." is from him, and if it's not, this is going to be a much different conversation than you had planned. What do you think? Are you sure you have a special revelation for me? Well, maybe the reception wasn't great. Yeah, he, uh, he felt like he needed to uh, re recheck that, which was perfectly okay, and we all went away friends. So, um, so, but I think there's a, a sort of a fear behind that that some uh, pastors have, so we don't talk about it much. That's part of the reason why we have a problem there. But I think um, the other side of this is I, uh, I think we wrestle with, and we're going to talk about this, I think, later in, in this episode, about, the, the, you know, about mystical stuff. Because 
I think on on one hand we want uh, Christianity to 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 be spiritual and supernatural, but we need it to be everyday and practical, and that's a that's a tough mm. uh, a struggle for us to have. Here's the thing: if I when I talk to people about listening, I ask them, okay, do you hear Satan's voice in your head? Yep, and they all immediately say, oh yeah, loud and clear, <laughs> loud and clear. Now, if I say, okay. It, whatever your impulse is, can you tell in the moment, is that Satan or is it just like your own flesh or thing you want? And they'll say, yeah, usually. Sometimes I have to look back on it and I can see, oh, yeah, that was like weird. You know, that, yes, it was, it was tempting me to do something I already wanted to do in my flesh, but it was sort of coming in from, you know, planet Xenu or something. It was really kind of like, where is that even coming in on from you know, that kind of thing? And I realized later that's the enemy, you know, trying to put that on me. Okay, so if that's coming through loud and clear, and you can discern that sort of by the tone of it, the sound of it, then that relates perfectly to what Jesus is saying. My sheep hear my voice, and they know who I am by the sound of that voice. Yeah. And so he's, he's describing the exact same thing on the other side of that mm-hmm. equation. Uh, I, I think for us it's about recognizing you're already hearing that voice, uh, you already recognize the sound of it, but you, you know, maybe because you haven't been taught about it in church, you don't know to kind of zero in on that. Say that is God; He is speaking to me. I'm getting some detail on this, and and some details is enough for me to get started in the right direction. And I'll get more details as I go, and I'll be on track. I think that's absolutely right, and it, that ties back into exactly what Lee was saying from James 1 about kind of not judging and not kind of prejudging this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, w- one of the ones we hear a lot is, um, a, say, young person either graduated college or went away to college, and there's a, a you know bad experience, it's a bad fit, you know, didn't don't like the school anymore, don't like the job anymore, and there's, well, I have this hometown where I got a lot of friends and a lot of good spiritual community, and... I can, there's either just as good a school there or a job there, but I know that to go back there would be like failure right, and giving right. up. And it's like, who said that? I just kind of know that's how it is. Mm, you can't, yeah. it's hard to hear God telling you that right. to go back and kind of, that's a good thing if you're prejudging that. And I think that also goes to this idea of, um, as you talked about kind of in small decisions and things along the way, I think we can also access that. If you're like our friend in the question here and you are just, feel to use their analogy like you're dropping the desert without a compass that i think that's also a bad time to go for what is thy overall will O lord (laughs) and maybe kind of you know especially if you're new to listening to the lord this has been good to me and i'm I'm several years behind on my journey listening to the words the the from these three guys one of the things that helped me as i've got started that journey is giving myself an opportunity to listen Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. if it's do i move to city a or city b Mm -hmm. um I don't want to just apply for jobs in city A. Right. And if I get a good one, I know I should go to that one. If I don't get any, right. then I'll try city B. Mm-hmm. Apply for jobs in both. Mm-hmm. Sure. Give yourself data points. You know, right. Right. you say, well, I'm super lonely in this town. I don't know if I want to do that or move back. Go to some church events. Try to do something about that. Mm-hmm. That gives you some data points. You say, no, I've, right. I found this and that's good. Or you may say, no, I'm, I'm finding nothing. That's a good right. data point to go back. What you don't want to do is, as Glenn was pointing to, is kind of, the the Christian thing is not as all these guys have been pointing to is not to sit still until you get an as much of an overall picture to go do something. Right, right. You right. can find kind of as these guys are saying, kind of beginner low risk ways to kind of 
yes. dip a toe in certain waters. And, and listen, as Glenn has said on the on the show many times before, the, the idea of the tuning fork. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's going to be that that voice, that that frequency that you kind of get a feel for, and it'll happen far more as you do it. Okay, this feels about right, but you have to, and in some cases, you've got to send up some test balloons right. before that's going to happen. And that's not that's not hedging. That's not unfaithful, as, as Jed is pointing out. You know, applying for a job in the city you don't end up moving to is not spitting in the face of a sovereign god. It's all he is holy. Like, is he holy? Strong like bull. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm gonna get roundhouse kicked before this is all over. Wouldn't be the first time. Okay, we're gonna move on. <laughs> what a weird note to end a very helpful, <laughs> helpful answer on. That's, again, one of those shows. We're gonna move on to our next question here. It also comes in anonymously to our Tumblr inbox, and it says, "Can divorce be a good thing? Divorce has actually done a lot of good for my family. It opened the door for my step parents coming to my life, whom is amazing. However, I know a couple of Christians who aren't really even under very extreme circumstances." who are getting a divorce and claim that God's hand was on the divorce. That seems wrong to me, even though I myself have witnessed good things coming from a divorce. So I think it's a very interesting question. It gets into a couple of things, but um, divorce is obviously a very wide subject, but I think that our question asker's question is a very good one of, because there can be positive outcomes of something, does that mean it is inherently good is there such a thing as kind of an inherently bad thing that god can't redeem which i think we get a lot of weird messages about divorce and other other things in the church where it seems like there's only two extremes and maybe no one calling it down the middle and lee why don't you start us off on this one um yeah this is a really interesting question i uh it's one of those things where when i was thinking about how to answer it there's a there's a whole bunch of different ways to go especially because you know, one of the things that you'll hear us say, as far as a as as far as kind of a, a mis- ministry principle, is that we don't really give unsolicited advice. You know, so like if you know, there's there are tons of situations that you run up against in a community of believers that nobody's asking you to have an opinion on, and so you're you know, you can think what you think about it, and you can also just kind of say, well, I'm not going to get in that bees nest, you know, of of uh, telling this person what I think about it. I think a lot of Christians, <laughs> I don't think a lot of Christians feel free. A lot of Christians feel free to just say what they think about everybody's everything situation. You know? Yes, that is verifiable fact. Lee, question. Uh, the Christians feel free to share their opinions on everything all the time. Are those the ones that know things? <laughs> and, you know, not only is the answer to that no, but they're, they're also often the ones who have never done anything. <laughs> oh, so, interesting. <laughs> wow. Interesting. It's a little um, counterintuitive, really, when you think about it. Yeah. It so, I'm, surprising. I, I, so I think um, while this is a very interesting question, I would also say um, it's also a, a very – this is also thin ice because – it may be that your friend is asking you, I want to know what you think about this as somebody that I respect. That's a big deal. That's huge. That's amazing. And then you want to weigh in. If somebody is doing their life and they're not asking anybody about it and they're declaring, this is the way I see it, everybody can deal with it. Well, you know, pretty much unless you are the pastor or you discipled this person, you have some responsibility over them, you let them go ahead and, 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 uh, and make that bed, lie down in it and stuff. I will say this. One thing, I love the way that Matt set this up, because in the Christian culture, we have these extreme ways that we see everything of like, you hear Christians talking about traditional marriage, traditional marriage, you know, or 
biblical marriage and everything. And it's like, you know, people get super upset about, uh, about all kinds of things politically about marriage, about divorce and stuff like that. And it's true that, that the, the New Testament is very clear about, um, you know, the, the Lord says these are the situations where, um, you know, somebody can hand someone a, d- a certificate of divorce. But the, here's the other thing that people aren't that people don't really talk about a lot, and that is that the New Testament is also extremely clear about just how much work and time and compassion and teamwork needs to go into a good marriage, just what that love looks like and how big of a deal that is. The, the number of people who, have, who are the loudest about traditional, quote-unquote, biblical marriage, who don't know that biblical marriage takes about a thousand times more horsepower than they've ever put into their marriage for uh-huh. five seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, you know, their idea of biblical marriage, what they mean by that is it's this kind of person and this kind of person. And they just stick together and stick together no matter what. And it's like, no, that's not a new Testament marriage. A new Testament marriage takes time and it takes patience and it takes forgiveness and it takes work and it takes teamwork and it takes understanding and it takes a, a, a lifetime of never giving up on this thing. People's view of people, you know, have a real black and white view of divorce, but the New Testament is very clear that what what the New Testament has in mind for marriage is way bigger and way deeper than what people talk about. I will say also, I'll say this also, as a pastor and somebody that's done a lot of counseling with folks before they get married and as as marriages have um, fallen apart, and some of them come, I've seen them. I've seen them fall apart. I've seen them come back from the dead. I've seen people put ones together that I would have said rigor mortis had set up, and they have come back and all that kind of stuff. I'll say this: as a counselor, every single situation is case by case. Yes, and so yeah, we don't too. make a call before we go in there. Okay, and we don't want to make a call based on um, a couple of, uh, you know, uh, here's the situation. Here's a. You know, we're going to paint it with a wide brush. Give me, you know, uh, take a stand. Where, where are you on this? I, I won't do that because yeah. every, every single situation is case by case. And it's, and it's best to figure these things out once we've sat down and we've looked people in the eye and we've asked a million questions and we've listened to a ton of stuff, a ton of history and figured out where they are. The last thing I'll say before we pass this around, no, I've been going a long time on this deal, is that uh, you need to understand that that people do the things that they do for a reason. Yes. They don't do things arbitrarily and they don't do things just because they're bad Christians or they're quitters or anything like that. A lot of times people look at a situation that you think is fine and to them it feels hopeless. And what they need is they need somebody that can help them get a vision for what it could be. Because uh, if somebody feels like my best case for my own personal happiness and the happiness of my family would be to fight for this thing with everything I've got, then they, they would do it. If somebody can help them see the truth of that, they'll do it. Um, people, people do what they're doing because they feel like it's their best option. Yeah. And that's why counseling and pastoring and discipling is so important. And that's why it's so important that it be a case-by-case and a one-on-one kind of a thing, and that we take time with these kinds of issues. But it's a very great question, and, uh, and, and there's a whole bunch to unpack there, but that's... That's hopefully a good place to get us started. I think it really is. It's a great place to start off. That's all excellent stuff. Glenn, if I can go to you on this, um, I think maybe as Lee points to you, part of what's tripping up our question after is really um, 
is divorce good or bad? Is this right. individual person's divorce good or bad? Is just not a particularly useful question. And it's not one we should be playing with. But I think our question asker has a very interesting thing here. It actually points to something you were talking about in the previous question of um, God's will can be, as you put it, A to B for a little while, then B to C for a little while. Right. And also, if we're talking about things that the New Testament mentions a lot, um, God can uh, rejigger his plan to when you massively screw things up, right. which we've all learned. Right. So this this idea of, I think part of the thing they're, they're struggling with is, it sounds like if this if someone's saying that, well, we're getting a divorce and that's God's will, and that gains some traction if you live through and you say, well, if it it's probably it seems like it's God's will for my life for this awesome step parent to come into it. So that's right. all good, but does that mean the marriage wasn't God's will and this is him right. erasing that mistake? Or I think this some of this is as you put it, that idea of um people getting a little confused on the idea that God's will is once and then set in stone right? when this is maybe a far more shades of gray situation. Well, that's right. Uh, God has to deal with screw-ups. Yep. Uh, that's the only yeah. variety <laughs> that yes. he has down here. And when we screw things up, we there has to be sort of, what do we do now? Yep. And so, uh, as you rightly point out, we may mess up God's plan, but, God, but, but now we reach a point where we're ready to follow it, so now we have to be on plan B or whatever it is or the next thing, and that that's, that's part of our everyday existence. And maybe part of the confusion on that is uh, a worldly kind of look at that would be, well, if you, if you screw up the one, you know, you don't get another one, or there's got to be right. weird punishment. If divorce right. is wrong, why would God reward someone who does wrong with another caring partner? Yeah, yeah I'd love to address that because here's the thing. Uh, 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 Lee pointed out the most important thing to to recognize about this, which is there are a bajillion different kinds of marital problems. Yes. So you, you you can't throw a blanket over all of them and comment on them. What what we might try and do, Don't I tell guess, Christian book authors that. Yeah, I mean, here's what we might try and do to try and 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 isolate into at least broad groups. Here, there are people, and and we've all uh, on on this show done counseling with marital couples where. There are two people who want to make a go of it, and they're stuck, and they're kind of clueless about it, and they're sad, and they're upset, and they're not connecting. And as Lee was talking about, it's like, I don't know if we're ever going to whatever, but they want to do the work, and they're and it's just like, but is it even possible, and whatever. That We've seen a lot of that, and we've seen amazing, miraculous turnarounds off of that. Uh, so there's a, there's a certain amount of that that we see, but but there's a, a very a, a much more vocal group of people where uh, it's a it's a different kind of marital problem in that the wheels have come off the wagon. Yep. <laughs> there is no marriage here. These are roommates. Yeah. Okay. And that's when people think I should call Glenn. Yeah. Exactly right. These are two people who have never fulfilled their marital vows. They right. have not honored and cherished and respected each other. They haven't been there for each other in sickness and in health. They never, ever asked God about any of this. It was, hey, God, we're going to get married. Right, good, thanks, bye. And that's it. And then they went out and did it. I'm not criticizing that necessarily. I'm simply saying that's that's how they started the journey. Things went real bad right away. And here's what they say from that point forward. 
it's God's will that we got married. Sure. How, sure. How, I, I want to know how you know that if you never really asked for his input on anything. Number two, you're certain that it's God's will that you never get divorced when you still haven't heard him on anything with, with the marriage. And see, most importantly, as you're pointing out, there's this sense that it must be a hideous sin to be divorced, but it's not a hideous sin to not fulfill your marital vows every day. Exactly. Got on the technicality. (laughs) That's right. For those people who have that way of thinking, if you talk to them long enough, roughly 100% of them are telling you, I don't want to face the embarrassment of being divorced. Right. I convince everybody in church that I'm a super Christian, and I don't want them to feel like you know. And I feel like I'd be Even letting everybody they down. They hate their mate. They hate them. Oh yeah, they hate each yeah. other. Yeah, it's just and, yeah. There is no marriage and, here. And here's a hint for you, friends. Everybody at church knows. Yeah, that's right. You're not yeah. hiding as well as you think you are. That's right. So, you know, those are the people who tend, for whatever reason, to be the most vocal about the divorce. Divorce. Yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a terrible sin, and so on and so forth. There there, there are many times, many many times where. Two people have come to a point of saying we never really were married in in a real sense. I mean, we just did not. We didn't know the commitment we were making. We were not committed to it. In some cases, this one person, or in some cases, both of these people have a severe dysfunction that just prevents them from being a good marital partner. And they need to go away and they need to work on that. The marriage is over already. It just has, it's died so what we need to do, as you point out, is let's go to the Lord and say, what comes next here? How do we move on? I think that's absolutely right. And I think that really, Jed, I'd love you to close out on this. It gets to the core of this idea, which is um, the, the question, and it's a very astute uh, question from our question asker, is not, is divorce a good thing? Yeah. Because, again, as we're saying, that's categorically just not, not only is that not the answer to that kind of no, it's also essentially an unanswerable question. But the idea of can divorce be a good thing? Yes, yeah. in certain situations, sure. but not in others. I yeah. think that's kind of what we're getting down to, right? Absolutely right. Here's the thing that really drives all this, and I want to back up everything that both Glenn and Lee said already, because it's mm-hmm. spot on. Here's the thing that to me drives all of this that Christians don't want to admit. Life is really messy. Yeah. yeah. Life Gosh, is yeah. super duper messy. And what Christian culture says is there's an ideal way to do all of this, so just do the ideal way. Sure, we just pile out of this minivan or khakis, smiling on the way into church, and it was like that the whole ride here. Exactly yeah, right. Yeah. And, and if you go to those practitioners of Christian culture and say, yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm kind of disqualified from the ideal way, I kind of messed that up, so what now? They go, well, just do it the ideal way. Sure. Just do it good. Right. Uh, which, you know, give you an example, right? I mean, um, yeah, technically, the, the ideal way in terms of you know, getting married is that you and your spouse are both virgins, and you get married, and you are you're one another's uh, sole sexual partners for life. That, that is, biblically speaking, that is the ideal way. I can tell you, for those of us who work in the inner city, that doesn't exist. Right. Uh, yeah. there, there's a 0% incidence of that. Right. So you got you to have something else. Right. Uh, yep. the, the, the answer can't be just to pound your fist harder and say, do it the right way. Because right. right. that's, that's not on the table. Um, so we need to accept that life is messy. We need to let go of this ideal case stuff. But there's one other thing we need to let go of, which is the thing Glenn is already pointing to, and actually Lee and, and Matt are as well. The judgmental people that you know at your church are not going to approve of you no matter what you do. Yep. Right. You need to make yeah. peace with that right now. Right. Whether, whether you stay married, whether you get divorced, it doesn't matter. They're not going to approve of what you do. That's right. They don't approve of anything. Yeah. So 
Uh, just let that go. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing, and this really dovetails actually with our previous question and with what Glenn closed with. Here's what I found in my life in a host of areas. If you want to do the most scriptural, the most godly, the maximum strength, righteous thing, this is it. Go to God and say, this is a mess. God, what is your plan in my situation for fixing it? Right. Amen. That's it. Yeah. Um, when we get into problems in our life, is which is probably how we got into this problem, by the way, is when we say, this is a mess. Here is my plan for fixing it. Oh, Lord, right. give me the strength to pursue right. my plan to right. fix this problem. Right. 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 God doesn't want to do that. And God's not going to give you his strength to pursue your plan to fix this problem. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the righteous thing is, God, what's your plan? What's, what's the, this is your problem. Now I'm giving it to you. You own this problem. You are the one you will be the architect of the solution. I will merely be your hands and feet implementing it. Tell me what to do. Mm. Give me your wisdom. Give me your direction and then give me the strength to pursue it. And one day at a time, I will follow that. If you'll do that, whether in the midst of a super, super bad marriage or any other non-ideal situation, there's no limit to the degree of restoration and redemption and growth and amazing things that will come out the other side of it. But I'll give you a preview of coming attractions. God, if you will follow that path, you'll love where it goes, but I guarantee you God will challenge your religion in the midst of that journey. Yes. The things that you hold to be sacred and inviolable and, and right and wrong, God will challenge those things. Right. Just so you know. There's a lot of reasons for that, but part of it is because God wants your trust to be in him and not in your religion. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, most of us got into the problems we are in to begin with by following our own internal religion. Right. That's right. actually a big part of how we got to the issues we have today. God wants that to die. He wants him to be the shot caller, not your religious beliefs and not my religious beliefs. The journey begins by accepting that life is messy and God himself is the one with the answer, not our religious ideals. I think that's a fantastic point to close out on, and it really does kind of go to uh, the heart of kind of what our friend is asking the question here in that sense of, uh, is this right or wrong? What happened in this situation? The, the key thing is that God was in all these situations. So... Yes. Okay. So your parents were married. Uh, they got divorced. That super sucks. We uh, we know people have been through that. Some of us are people went through that. That's not pleasant. There's nothing inherently righteous about that. However, and this is where our Christian culture stuff falls down. It did happen. Yeah. It is. It is fact now. The godly question, as Judge pointing out, is now what? Yeah. With the pieces yep. we have now, what do we do here? And uh, the answer for your parent, one of your parents, luckily, was go on and find a good-hearted, godly person who wants to be a force for positive in your life and help you raise this child. Mm-hmm. That is all good. There's yeah. no part of that that is sullied or less than because divorce happened. Mm-hmm. I don't hear any of that. God does not, God did not bail from this situation when divorce papers were signed. This is about as, and that goes exactly to what uh, Glenn was saying as well, nor does God come into a situation just because marriage vows are spit out. This is right. about inviting and involving God in your thought process um, that can do a lot of damage if when you don't do it. But the good news is whenever you're ready to do it, he's ready to start with what you got. Amen. Right. Not right. materials you should have had or decisions you should have done. God is always ready to roll up his sleeves and jump in where we are today. And that's, that's always right. something to be thankful for. All right, we're going to jump to our final question here. It comes in anonymously and it says, I have a question I'm reading a Christian book, and it speaks of three heavens, earth, Satan's kingdom, and the heavenly realms, paradise, then God's dwelling place. I counted four on that. Well, I don't think that the earth is one of the heavens. Oh. 
Earth plus three heavens. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, it doesn't make sense. Earth, but it tracks three. internally. Yeah, Earth and the Three Heavens incidentally is a great prog rock band from the seventies. So not bad. Know. If you like a forty-minute five-keyboard <laughs> solo, yeah, you're gonna love it. Earth and the Three Heavens prog rock. You got some time, do you? <laughs> okay, so we got Three Heavens. We have Earth, then we have the Three Heavens. Satan's kingdom in the heavenly realm, paradise and God's dwelling place. What's your take on this? It's a great record. Loved it. Yes, it references Second Corinthians twelve two and Daniel ten. Um, Glenn, uh, <laughs> this is a, a real weird thing. Yeah. So I don't think we have to spend a lot of time talking about whether or not this is nonsense. It is. Yeah. Um, but I, I think our friend here has an issue of, I read a Christian book by a Christian book person who has authorized, it was in the Christian bookstore, maybe my right. church, right. uh, sent it to me. And I thought there was only one heaven. Right. Now apparently there's three heaven. Right. What else are these people hiding from me? Right, right. Does this mean I'm some sort of lesser Christian because I didn't know... Right. All this crazy crap. Right, so, right, what, right. What do we what do we have for him on that tip? Well, uh, the, the if it makes you feel any better, I've never heard of this. Uh, <laughs> none of us on this podcast have ever heard of any of this. Uh, this is yeah. how we learn about new weird Christian things: is you folks writing in to ask. So that's right. Yeah, thanks for keeping us on our toes. Yeah, we just uh, try and deal with the stuff that's in the book, and then help people live it out. So we don't we don't get into these areas. Um, but it, let's let's maybe address how this came to be, um, because I think it, it is a thing, a common thing, where you hear something that sounds a lot like heresy, and you're pretty sure it is, but it's kind of hard to get a sense of how do you know, and also mm. um, is that sense that it is heresy? Can I trust that? You know, am I am I right in in assuming that you've done the right thing by? Uh, asking other people, and and that's why we're glad to answer the question. In this case, you are on the right instinct. But here's the thing: I want you to zero in on. Uh, preachers are are kind. They're they're like everybody else, and and book authors are like everybody else. I want to come up with something that is uh, going to blow people away. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be an amazing. And they're going to come to my church, and they're going to buy my book, and they're going to do whatever. Right away, there's one big fat problem with that, which is it's all already been written down. Like on heaven and on earth, there's like no new things. There's no, they're not making new stuff. Yeah. The Bible's what it is, and it's all been said before. It's all been preached before. Uh, The moment somebody says, hey, I got something new and amazing. Brand new. (laughs) That's when you know (laughs) it's time to, 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 pull the ripcord on that yes. and when you sense that this is somebody who's saying okay i'm going to say something amazing that's really going to blow your mind and this is going to take it to a whole new level that right then and there that's when you're pulling the ripcord doesn't matter what they say afterwards that's you know uh, and again i'm not saying that to uh belittle those people who are doing that or vilify them but i am doing it to say that that that's a product of sort of maybe an insecure kind of a thing or, or a sense of I, I, I'm just trying to come up in the game, man. Yeah. And so I'm going to come up with some, some amazing stuff. Even if you're well-meaning and what you're saying isn't necessarily wrong, as soon as your, your goal becomes, I'm going to come up with this entirely new thing, you're, you're inherently going to lose the plot. That's yeah, absolutely right. I mean, um, real quick, and I'll send it around to these two, these other two guys. First and foremost, as, as we were talking about in the other question, uh, we really struggle as Christians to deal with this mystical versus the practical. 
there there is a sense that with authors like this that they're going to jack up the mystical side of things and talk about all sorts of fantastical spiritual airy fairy kind of things but they're not doing anything to make it practical and again for me that's a big red flag of hey i'm struggling to live by the stuff that's already in that book don't make up right. new stuff that i have to then and and not only making up new stuff but you're not telling me what to do with it so that's yeah. you know I, that's right out for me uh the other thing is uh, you know part of these uh bible verses that uh that that uh, you're referring to that's Second Corinthians twelve, the beginning of that, and, and Daniel ten. Uh, it, it, I think in many ways uh, the point that that Paul is making in that verse in Corinthians is kind of the opposite point. That uh, part of what he was talking about in there, and, and again, I'll let these other guys unpack this a bit. But what, he was sort of addressing, I'm not like these super apostles, these amazing people. <laughs> who have visions and they do amazing things and they the, revelation yeah, it's all yeah they're all yeah I'm not one of those I'm a regular dude that's sitting in jail and writing letters and getting in trouble and on the run and that's who I am uh I all the the only qualification that I have is I know God and <laughs> He is. It's he, a good one. It's yeah. So uh, you know, there's no. I'm not with a super amazing people. I'm just talking to you like a dude, to right. and, and helping you deal with your life. I don't know about all this super amazing stuff, and I I think that uh, it, the the funny thing is the guy is using the very thing that kind of breaks down mm-hmm. the idea of what it is that he's doing. Yeah, absolutely right. Before I, I kick it around, I would point out that there's a. A very uh, simple explanation on that Second Corinthians verse about the third heaven, which says, you know, he, I knew a man who was called the third heaven, which is a foible of the Greek language that there wasn't a different word for sky and heaven and universe. Right. So you hear, you know, Aristotle mapped the heavens, referring to space. Right. right. So third heaven basically means, no, not the sky one, not right. the space one. The top, top Exactly one. right. So exactly but right. to your point, when you're into the kind of just regular guy thing— when we, when we look at these things, often there is, we poke around, a more banal explanation, which almost certainly is the one to go with in kind of a Christian Occam's Razor thing. Mm-hmm. Because one is saying, no, it's simple. And the other is saying, mysteries of the universe. You kind of got to go with where you are. And, but Lee, maybe you can speak to that of a little more on that of when you un- properly understood, properly applied scriptural stuff is meant to set you free. Yeah. And really, the idea of secret knowledge coming out in Volume 2 kind of inherently can't do that. So maybe that's one thing we should be wary of. Yeah, I think one of the things that's really, um, that's really interesting is that, is that Jesus' Jesus's message was understood by children. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that kids were always flocking to Jesus. He loved hanging out with little kids. Little kids loved him. And he said... If you want to get in the kingdom at all, you got to change and go back and be like a little kid. You have to have faith like a little kid. This is dirt, simple stuff. God loves me. I have completely destroyed my chance of knowing God. But he had so much mercy on me and so much love for me that he sent Jesus to pay for all the penalty of my wrongs when he died on the cross. He's risen from the dead. He's completely forgiven me. We get to have a brand new relationship. He's got awesome stuff for me to do. He promises I get to go to heaven. My... Eight-year-old can understand everything that I just said. 
every single piece of that. Now, if you have esoteric charts with the thing and then you can't share the gospel yet because you haven't bound the spirits of the territorial. What If you've got that kind of stuff and my eight-year-old and his buddies can't understand it and they're like, well, we're just going to go back and play with Legos now. We don't get the Jesus thing anymore. Now you have officially left the reservation. And here's the thing is, I, I thought that Glenn was pretty generous when he said, you know, that preachers and the guys who are writing the books, that they have some insecurities, so they just want to blow everybody away. That's very generous of him because he knows as well as anybody else that knows these people knows that some people like to give the mysteries and the things because they want to have power over mm. other people. Yeah. Yep. That is sometimes the case, unfortunately, that they, mm. because if I know the mystery and you've got, and you don't know it, then mm. guess who you've got to come to, to get right. the spiritual key. You yeah. got to come to me because mm. I know stuff that you can't possibly know. And it is a, it is a, that is a real problem in Christendom. This is a real problem that we have, that there are people who want to make sure that they are your gateway. They're your door. And you don't get in unless you go through their whole system. And guess what? You know, if you want to send them some money for the thing, that'd be great too. And so it's a whole, that's, that can be a whole thing. And so we have to be super careful about that. And just as Matt said, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is dirt, simple, basic stuff and it was designed to set you free. And so the question for us is uh, not do I have to unravel all the mysteries that everybody's got, but what does Jesus have for me today, right now, in the middle of the day that I'm living, in the people that I'm going to face, what is it that I need to respond to and do? Because if, I, if that's my heart is I've been set free by Jesus and I love him because of that. And so I want to serve him. And so he's got some stuff for me to do. And we're going to talk about that, and we're going to get on that today. That is as fully switched on disciple of Jesus as anybody gets. Exactly as Jeb was talking about in the last question. That's as high-powered as it gets. That's as good as it gets. I love Jesus. I'm grateful for him, and I want to do whatever he's got for me. Boom. You are there. You are at graduate level. We don't get any more Christian than that right there. That's absolutely right. And Jed, if you can uh, close out on this one, I think that's... Really, the point here, even it's important to break down why these things aren't true or aren't exactly right, because we do want to you know test every spirit, as the Bible says. Then there's also a thing we're looking at Christian teaching or Christian books, which is so. Yep. Let's say there are three heavens. Does this affect my ability to pay rent or have a healthy relationship or parent my child in any way? Yeah. Because if it doesn't, it doesn't even really matter if it's not true, because who cares? Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. Well, I'll tell you about me for a second. Um, there's all kinds of stuff in the Bible I don't understand. Right. Uh, every right. time I read it, I find something like, I don't know what that means. Forgiveness. Right. Yeah, I, don't, I don't see it. Yeah. Well, to that point, then there's the things I do understand, right. and I'm really having a hard time living. <laughs> that, yeah. That can't be right. <laughs> that's where I run into trouble. Recently, some people were being pretty uncool to my wife. Now, mm -hmm. because I grew up in the southern United States of America, I have a solution. Right. Burn sure. their house down. Sure. Yes. It's it's the only reasonable course of action. It's simple. It's efficient. It's you, you get yourself some sure. kerosene. You get yourself a match. Right. You've got yourself some vengeance. That's right. It's not vengeance I'm after. Right. It's a reckoning. That's right. That's all. That's right. But I read in the scriptures... 
I read things I super do understand. Right. Where the Lord says, vengeance is mine. I will repay. He saith it. He saith it. And I go, Lord, I understand that. I have no problem cognitively processing these words. I have a problem buying into them. That's a separate problem. Could I be your assistant vengeance bringer? Could I be involved in the process in some small way? Assistance to the vengeance bringer. I'm just saying, Lord, I have a lighter fluid. I have a a match. I don't have a lot of forgiveness. One of these I'd be good at, the other less so. You're supposed to maximize your strengths in life. That's That's how you grow. That's what the business world says. The thing that I struggle with is the things I do understand, where the Bible says, pray for your enemies. Pray for them that hate you. My enemies, I hate those guys. I hate those guys. I don't want to pray for them. But the still small voice of Jesus says, I know, I'll handle it. Pray for them. Right. Let me have that. Give that burden to me. Right. The thing that I think so many Christians struggle with is we're seeking distraction. Um, you know why so many Christians love the book of Revelation? Because they don't understand it. Right. It's full of right. mysteries and dragons and beasts yes. with 37 yeah. heads. Right. Those parts about loving your enemies and giving generously and uh, being courageous and following right. the Lord through uncertainty, we all understand those parts. Right. They're super duper understandable. They're just terrifying. That's right. And we don't, we don't want to live them. The life that God is inviting us into, as Lee says, is a life a child could understand, but it's a life that requires strength and courage we don't have. It's by design. It's a life that's meant to be more than you can pull off, because God wants each day to give you fresh strength and fresh courage and fresh grace to walk another day with him and let him guide you on a journey that will be a great adventure, that will tax you past what you're able to do, but that will take you into, as as the message pushes, the wide open spaces of his love and grace. That's the thing that he has for you, and there's nothing you don't understand about that. So the thing we all want to encourage you to do is to live fully into the parts you do understand and let God teach you the rest in his own timing. That is absolutely right. That is fantastic stuff. If you have a question for us, you can get to us at saythatpodcast at gmail.com or the bridge. TheBridgeChicago.tumblr.com. I also gave, I almost gave out the radio address. That would be wrong. Um, if you have a question for us, you can have those addresses. You can also check out MissionUSA.com slash BridgeWatcher. Check out the song this week. This is from our resident reclusive DJ, the Pool House Guru, featuring yeah. a friend of ours from right here in Chicago, an MC named Johnny T. This is yeah. a track this month's Bridgebox called Never Alone. We think you're going to really enjoy that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. I, for one, welcome our new ranch dressing fuel genetically enhanced super baby overlord. <laughs> Yeah, I seen the lightning flashing. I heard that thunder roll. I felt sin's right hook smash. Try to break my soul. I heard the voice of my savior say to still fight on. He promised never ever leave me. Never gonna look and see him gone. Hurricane keep blowing. Temptation sharp like a knife I got the peace come from knowing My savior got me, got my life He is shield from the danger Where my friends are gone He promised never ever leave me Never gonna look and see him gone No, never alone, no, never Yeah no never, no never, yeah. No never alone, no never, yeah. No never, no never, yeah. No never alone, no never, yeah. No never, no never, yeah. No never alone, no never, yeah. No never. Yeah. No, never.
in the valley of the darkness I'm in the alley of the real But Jesus helped me in my heart, yes When I ain't got the strength to deal I look around, I'm seeing darkness With every good place closed My savior say again the promise I'll never leave you alone No, never alone No, never No, never No, never No, never alone No, never No, never No, never He died for me on the mountain For me they pierced his side For me he opened the fountain Where his blood was the cleansing tide For me he's waiting in glory For me he waits on his throne He promised never ever leave me Never gonna look and see him gone No never alone, no never No never, no never No never alone, no never No never, no never No never alone, no never No never, no never No never alone, no never No never, no never Never alone